Praise God. Well, we are in a series called Our Source. Been in this for some time now, and we're going to continue in that. Today, let's look at Matthew 19, where we, we've read this section of Scripture kind of as our starting point. We're going to do that. Now, Matthew 6, 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. This is Jesus speaking. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Mammon is money there. Verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus is covering a lot of ground here, and we've actually covered a lot of aspects uh, of this topic. And I encourage you, if you didn't hear the, the earlier messages, go back, listen to them. Some of them are on Facebook. You can watch them on video. But uh, they're all on, in audio on our website, or you can go to our podcast. Go back and listen to them because we've covered a lot of ground before today. I want you to look at uh, verse 31 again. It says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 32, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or people without God, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. What things? What, you, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you need for life. Verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He just got done saying, Don't seek the things. And now he's saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His way of doing things, and all these things shall be added to you. What things? The things that you need to live. And so God, as a Christian, God is our source. 
He's the one we're to look to. See, people without God are looking to see how they can get the stuff they need going around on the earth. And some people seek their whole lives just following the things, but they're not following after God. As Christians, we're to follow after Him. And He said, I know you need all this stuff, and those things will come after us. But it's putting Him first. We're not to look as Christians to other people as our source. We're not to look to the government as our source, not to look to a certain organization, a certain group of connections, a certain group of clients, a certain group of customers, a certain account. None of those things are our source. As Christians, we're to look to Him, and He said if we look to Him and do what He says, these things will be added to us, all the things we need. And that's how we're to live life, our, our whole time, not in any certain season, not when there's certain circumstances, but continually we look to Him. He said if we'll do what He said, He'll take care of us. And we've been spending some time on that. Now let's look, to, let's look at a few scriptures here. Deuteronomy 10, verse 14. It said our, our Father knows we need all these things. So we're going to look at Deuteronomy 10, verse 14. We've... we've uh, you know, spent the last, I don't know, I guess it's, we're on the seventh one, six weeks talking about different aspects of how God is our source and to look to Him first. And we just read here, He said all these things, God knows we need all these things, but He said seek His way of doing things. And we've talked about honoring Him and, and that He is actually through Jesus, redeemed us from poverty, from anything that would look like lack. He has uh, made it possible for us to be blessed. And in doing this, we talked about some aspects. We mentioned the tithe, we mentioned giving, and today I want to go into some of those things in more detail and look at what the Word has to say about some of this. Deuteronomy 10, verse 14 says, Indeed, heaven... And the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. Notice it says, The heaven, the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth and all that is in it. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 50 verse 10 Psalm 50, verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts are the, of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. So notice these verses are saying, Heaven, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, everything that's in it, the earth and all its fullness is God's. He said here in verse 10, every beast of the forest is mine. At the cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. See, Jesus was talking about in Matthew. He said, look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies. He said, they're fed and clothed. And here God is saying, it's all mine. And he, he said back there, you come to, to me and all these things you need will be given to you. Well, where are all the things that we need? Where are they? They're in the earth. All the resources that you and I need, they're here on the earth. All the elements, everything 
is made from what's here on the earth. Well, it's all God's. Now, Satan has a lease on this earth. We're not going to go into depth on this. Today we've taught on it other times. But Adam was given dominion over the world, and he bowed his knee to Satan. So Satan is called the god of this world in the sense that he has things in a mess. He's running things, but he's not the god that's overall creation. He is God little g. He is in control over certain things. He is, he has a lease. That's why you see the world is in a mess. You know, some people will say it's all God doing everything. Well, he sure is mean. And she, he sure has everything in a mess if he's the one doing everything evil in the world. That's, that's blasphemy, to impugn the evil to God. No, God's not the one that brings sickness and disease and poverty. That's, that's not God. We, 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 uh, Covered it last week in detail. We've been redeemed from all those things. We're blessed. God's will is blessing. So he owns everything. It's his. But Satan has a lease that's going to run out, thank God. But right now, we live in this world. It's fallen. But notice, everything we need is in the world. And God owns it. And it's important to know when he said... All these things will be added to you. Well, he can make that happen. So we're going to um, go a little bit further then into the tithe today. Let's look at Genesis 14, 17. Genesis 14, 17. We're going to look at the, the first instance of tithing in the Bible. Tithing, and we'll mention this some more, but tithe, a tithe, it simply means a tenth. It's not a religious term. It doesn't mean a gift. It really, it means a tenth, 10%. That's literally what it means. Genesis 14, 17 says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, Abraham, at the, or Abram at that time, at the valley of Shava, that is the king's value, or valley, after his return from the defeat of Kedor Laomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth or a tithe of all. So this is Abraham before, the, before there was any old covenant. This is before the law, before Moses. This is predates any of that. And God... Uh, the, the priest of God, Melchizedek, came out to him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all. So what I want you to see here, we're going to go through some different verses, starting back here and going through some verses, and see that the tithe transcends any covenant. It was before the old covenant, and it goes into the new covenant. The tithe is, like I said, it's just, it just means 
Let's look at Hebrews 7, verse 1, referring to this same, uh, this same situation here. Hebrews 7, verse 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of, God, of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So it's saying this, this Melchizedek, he's a type. This is a type of Jesus. He doesn't have... It says, without mother, or without father, without mother, without genealogy, he has ne neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So this, this priest, uh, Abraham, gave a tenth part of all. Verse 4, Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives." Speaking of Melchizedek, who is a type of Jesus, saying in the natural uh, setup, the, the priests were receiving tithes, but there he receives them. Verse 9, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So just reiterating here, it's talking about what we read in Genesis, where Abram who was then Abram, became Abraham, he paid tithes or gave tithes through to Melchizedek as the priest. This was before it was codified into any law. Genesis 28.10, we see, let's read this, we see Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham, and we see him striking out on his own, and he dedicates that he will tithe to God. Let's read this account. You'll see some interaction between what God is saying to uh, Jacob and then what Jacob says back to God. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it on his head and he lay down it in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, and I give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, 
and will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So God is saying to Jacob, I'm with you. I am your source. You can see how he's saying, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had, at his, uh, that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, and the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then he shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And all of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Let's read verse 20 again, what Jacob said. Now, this sounds just like what we are reading in Matthew. Jesus said, you don't go and look at everything out here trying to get the things you need. You seek first God, and He will add all these things to you. Notice this in verse 20. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. And this, in a nutshell, is what tithing is. Every, Jacob is saying, of everything that you give me, I'm going to give a tenth to you. Give back to you. See, everything is God's. We are stewards of what we have on this earth. We need to understand that we are passing through. And we've, we've talked about this a lot coming up to this. So if you missed some of those early messages, I encourage you. We're sitting on a platform here that we've already uh, you know, covered. But the Bible says to come and honor Him. And everything is His. And we're passing through on this earth. We need to understand God's commission and what He's doing on the earth. And as we are using our resources on this earth, we are getting in partnership with Him. Our mindset ought to be, Lord, I, I am yours. What would you have me to do? Well, He lays out part of this uh, here when we're talking about our resources. It's throughout the Bible. And this is what Jacob is saying. He's coming and saying, Lord, I, you're gonna, you will take care of me. You will be my God. And everything that comes through my hands, I will give you a tenth. See, this was not, the tithe was not instituted. We're going to read uh, coming up here in, in the, the, the law where it talks about the tithe. But see, all these things we've just read predate the law. The tithe was regulated under the law, but it was not introduced under the law. It was merely regulated under the law. Tithing originated as an act of faith, and faith transcends both the Old 
and new covenants. And so that's how we get jumping ahead. That's how we tithe today is by faith. It's not an act of, of legalism. It's an act of faith. It's what Jacob is saying here. You're my God. I'll give you a tenth. Now let's look at Leviticus 27 verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. All the tithe of the land, whether of seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. In Leviticus 27, 32, just a couple of verses down, it says, And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, whatever passes under the rod, one-tenth shall be holy to the Lord. So there's literally, they had a rod that the animals were going through, and every tenth one was dedicated to God. So we see the tithe is 10%. It is proportional. You know, in this sense, if there was a hundred animals. Well, that's 10 animals that are dedicated to the Lord. If it's a thousand, then it's a hundred dedicated. If it's 10,000, then that's a thousand. It's proportional. It's, it's the same percentage applied regardless of the amount. And today we could say it's one dollar out of every 10. It's 10 cents out of every dollar. Thousand out of every 10,000. A hundred thousand out of every million. It's proportional. And it's, notice it's off the increase it's what comes in, the increase. It's not the decrease. In other words, if you don't have anything coming in, there's no tithe. There can be gifts, but there's no tithe. A tithe is off the increase, and it's 10% off the increase. So we see here getting into what, what was the purpose of this tithe. It's coming in, it's 10%, and so now you see it is holy to the Lord. If you can go back to uh, verse 30... Leviticus 27, 30, just the last verse we are on. It says, The tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Notice, holy means separated, means separate to God. That means a, a tenth of what comes in, our increase it's holy to God. It's separate unto Him. It doesn't, it doesn't say uh, any organization specifically. It doesn't say any person. We're going to get into this a little more, uh, you know, about the purpose of the tithe. But it just says it's holy to the Lord. That means we look to the Lord and we're giving unto the Lord. We saw in Hebrews where it said Melchizedek, who is a type of Jesus, receives the tithes. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4. So what's the purpose of the tithe? We've spent a lot of time talking about honoring God and, and putting Him first. And so we're going through some of the mechanics and some of the, the parts in the Word, just seeing how the tithe is throughout the Word. Because the tithe is God's way of providing for His work on the earth. It always has been, and it still is today. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4. 
It says, moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support to the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So you see, in this time, the, the tithe was so that the priests and the Levites who were in the temple doing the work of God, that they might devote themselves to doing what the law commanded them. But that was the purpose. Verse 5, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruit of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field. They brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the Lord and the children of Israel in Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, and laid in heaps." So you can see a picture, all the people, regardless, if, they're, if it's grain, wine, oil, honey, produce of the field, if it's the flock, they're bringing in a tithe of anything. What's the purpose? It's to provide for what's going on in God's work. You can see that in that covenant. You can see before this was ever instituted, there was the priest of the Most High, and Abraham brought 10% a tithe to him as he won uh, the battle. Then you said, Jacob, he brought, he said, if you take care of me, I'm setting up this place as the temple of God. I am bringing 10% to you. Here you see, now this is regulated under the law. There had been lots, there's lots of people now, and so it was regulated, but it didn't start in the law. It's regulated here as a means to support the work of the priesthood here. Matthew 23, 23, we see Jesus referring to this, referring to the tithe. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier manners of the law, matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Let's read this in the NLT. It says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens. In other words, they are counting out the leaves and tithing. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus is, is he's not negating tithing. He's saying, yes, you should tithe, but these people are doing it. They're, they're doing everything legalistically. They're doing everything. They're not, it's not faith. It's religious pride and arrogance and obligation. But he said, yes, you should tithe, but you, you've got to do these other things as well. Notice all these other things, aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He said, you should do those things. You should tithe, yes, but you should do the other things. Well, all those things, they were there before it was ever in the law. Mercy, justice, faith existed on the earth. And so did the tithe. And Jesus is reiterating all of them and saying, you should do it. In Mark or, or Luke 11, verse 42, it says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue 
and all manner of herbs, and passed by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus is not saying you shouldn't do it anymore, or it's done away with. Here's the thing. Anything that was established outside of the Old Covenant cannot be done away with the Old Covenant. And we just read some of the other things, you know, faith, justice, mercy, these all existed. Tithing was there beforehand. And we're saying these so that we're under a, a, a strong foundation of why we do what we do. Now we're going to look at, we're going to get to, and we've gone over it some, the blessings of tithing. But that's not the primary motivation. We need to understand what's in the Word, why we're doing what we do, and what we can expect from God. But the primary motivation is we want to serve Him by faith and do what the Lord said. But we, we want to understand this is something that's for us. And some people say, well, that's just passed away with the Old Covenant. It can't pass away with the Old Covenant. It predated the Old Covenant. It was merely regulated, just like other aspects were. They were regulated in the law, but they haven't passed away in the New Covenant. The faithful act of tithing, giving a tenth, began as an act of faithful devotion to God to acknowledge that He alone is our source. To the patriarchs, tithing was an expression of loyalty to and faith in God. It was also an expression of covenant relationship with God. It preceded the law. So, we, so today, what is the purpose of the tithe? Well, it's to finance the spreading of the gospel, the Great Commission. Mark 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said to them, to His disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has commissioned the church to spread the good news of the gospel. That is the age we're in. And so in this day and age, the tithe, and there's gifts above the tithe. We'll touch base that on a minute. But the tithe is not a size of a gift. It is 10%. That is the definition. The tithe is meant to, to be the, the resource by which God's work on the earth gets done. Being able to be a part of God's plan is the reason and purpose for paying tithes and giving our offerings. Realizing that we can become a partner with God in carrying out His will will bring great fulfillment and satisfaction to us. We realize God is doing something on the earth and He has already established His way of providing for that commission. So this brings us satisfaction 
emotionally, spiritually, naturally, as we hook up with God and say, Lord, I'm here on this earth. I'm not just biding time. I am doing, I am a part of what you're doing. We all have a role to play. Every one of us has a role to play in the Great Commission. Some are missionaries that go overseas. Some are those that send missionaries. Some are pastors and teachers. Some are school teachers, engineers, you know, businessmen, people that are in accounting, all, all different types of professions and vocations, but we all have a part. But one thing is a, the same across the, all the, the whole thing, across the board, is that we all have the responsibility and the, abil the ability to hook up with God materially and financially and do be a part of what He's doing on the earth. This is what God's laid down as part, as, as we are Christians and getting the gospel to the world, this is part of what God has laid down as our, our role to play. And as we do, there are great benefits, but we want to, I'll get to that in a minute, but our motivation needs to be, number one, that we love God and we want to serve Him and obey Him. We want to do what He would have us to do. You know, we've spent some time on honoring Him and and. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And this is one way we do that. In this area, this is what we do. We, we go before Him. We say, Lord, everything I have is Yours. Now, He has laid out the tithe. There are gifts and offerings above that. But we're to flow with Him and be part of what He is doing. And as we do, we can, we can know we're a part of the spreading of the gospel. And then as we walk through this life, we, it's like Jacob said, Lord, you take care of me, you'll feed me, you'll clothe me, you'll guide me, and everything that I have, as it comes in, I'll give a tenth to you. And as we do then, the blessings are poured out on us. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30, we read this before, a couple weeks ago. First Samuel 2, verse 30, For those who honor me, I will honor. For those who honor me, I will honor. We read in Malachi 3, verse 10, let's look at this again. We're just spending some time going through what the Word says so that we can, our faith can be on solid ground and we can know what God's Word says about this subject. Malachi 3, verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the window of heaven, windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. So he says, Bring the tithes into the storehouse. Why did he say that? That there may be food in my house. See, it's the same principle. Here, this was under the Old Covenant. It's what we read like in Chronicles, that it said the tithes were brought in so that the work of God could be done there. It's the same thing now. 
It was, it was the same thing in Abraham's time. But it says, bring the tithes that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. God says, test me, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not pour out for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such, or not open, I will, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there may be, not be room enough to receive it. So God's saying, you partner with me and see if there is not windows of heaven, if I won't pour out windows of heaven open, they will, I will open them so much that you won't have room enough to receive it. And that, number two, verse 11 says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall the, the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. Number two, the things that, as we go through our business, we won't suffer loss. We're redeemed from the curse. One way that we hook up with what God is doing, when we uh, give our tithes, pay our tithes, what is happening here is saying it's protecting all the rest. We are putting into action what he said, becoming partners with God. And he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. You will, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field. We read in Proverbs 3 verse 9. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. In the Amplified, it says, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors, and with the first fruits of all your income, so shall your storage places be filled with plenty, and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. It's the same thing. That Jesus said, and we covered this some, seek first the kingdom of God. Of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added. It says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse and I will open for you the windows of heaven. Here it says, honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency and with the first fruits of all your income so your storage places will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be overflowing with new wine. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Now, we're reading the blessings of doing this. But we are, our intent, our motivation, is all what we've talked about, you know, these last, especially two times ago the last time, and we've mentioned it here, that our heart is to serve God, and this is just a part of it. Our heart is to serve Him and to do what He would have us to do. And now these things we're reading here, we thank God for them, but this isn't our motivation, our primary motivation. Our primary motivation is being hooked up with the Lord. So let's read verse 38 again. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For at the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Luke 6, or I mean, 2 Corinthians 9 verse, or 9 verse 6 through 9 
says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So as we, we, these are in the New Covenant, we're going to read a couple more. But we see that as we bring our resources to God, He's saying, you will have plenty. And He's saying it will be in proportion to how you give. Do we have to tithe in the New Covenant? No. You don't have to. What's the downside? The blessings that we're reading about here will not be ours in the same degree. It's like an investment. We're not giving for the investment, but it's just like, if, if there were a certain company, I mean, there are companies right now, right? You could invest in them or choose not to invest in them or a piece of real estate or whatever. When you're investing, what is that saying? You would have to have belief that that would have a return. But you don't have to do it. But if you don't do it, and you come back and say, well, I want my return, well, you didn't invest. That, so there is not a legalistic thing that we have to tithe in the, the new covenant. You're not cursed if you don't tithe. We are been redeemed from the curse of the law. But there are blessings associated with it as well. And we've read over and over here, it says, in proportion to what you give, that's how it's going to be measured back. That's not our motivation for giving. That's just part of it. That's just how God has set it out. So as we go to Him, the tithe is 10%. Anything above that are, are offerings or gifts. And we need to be led on those things. God might lead you, you should be given 20, 30% or whatever. We need to be led on, on these things. And it says as, uh, verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that, uh, that you having all sufficiency in all things would have an abundance for every good work. So as we approach these things, we want to know what God has said and be cooperating with what He has said. Not what some man has said. Or not some philosophy. And so as we come to Him, we can see this clearly throughout, before the Old Covenant, through the Old Covenant, into the New Covenant, God has established the tithe. There, there are gifts and offerings above that, and we need to be led with that. But it is proportional. The amount we give is how we're going, what we're going to get back. We see that here, and we saw it in Luke, and you see in Proverbs. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived, God is not, not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So this is a law of God. But some people will, will get legalistic with it. And then be in fear. That's not how we're supposed to tithe. That's not how we're supposed to give. We're to give out of faith. 
We're to give out of obedience to His Word, out of faith, enjoying what we're doing on the earth in our part. And then as we do, He has promised that everything that we need will be taken care of and that we'll have an abundance. So a prioritized list, if we were to look at, you know, as an example, why we should give. Number one, because we love God. Number two, we should give in obedience to His Word. So we love God, we, we are so thankful for all that He has done, and so we come to Him, God, everything I have is Yours. And so we, we see in His Word, part of what He said, and He said, bring all the tithes in the stores, and we give because we love Him. Number two, because He has set it out in His Word. Number three, as a means to help carry out Christ's great commission. So we see that is a means that we finance what He's doing on the earth, to be involved in what the Lord is doing on the earth, and acknowledging that He is our source. Number three, because we want to see people blessed. We've received. We want to see other people blessed and encouraged and nourished by what God is doing on the earth. And then way down at the end, we should give an expectancy. We should believe that what God has said in His Word is true. And that as we give, it will come back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But that ought not be our primary focus for giving. If it is, our motives are wrong. We're actually seeking the things instead of seeking the Lord. And that's reversed. And there's been a lot of you know, pain caused in the body of Christ when those things get flipped. As we come to God, we're to acknowledge that He is our source, that He is the one that we serve, that we are honoring Him, that we are getting involved with, he, with what He is doing, and we acknowledge that as we do, we're going to be blessed, but that's not the, that's not the primary motivation. That is the secondary or even further down, we are believing what God said, we are expecting, but we're not giving to get, we're giving to honor God, and we expect Him to do what He said in His Word. And He is faithful to do that. And He is faithful to help us in every decision. So when we come to Him, and we bring our tithes to Him, and, and another, I'm going to get into just a few practical things as we're covering this, as we're... Uh, since we're on this, just a few practical things. But as we're coming to Him and honoring Him, then we, we are acknowledging that He's our source, that what we see in our hand is not. What we have today is not our source. And sometimes it's tempting to look at that. What I have, and, I, and the world system is, I have to hold on. And you see people, they, they try to hold on to what they have. That's not God's ways. If we look to Him, then we are not looking at our substance, because you guys know as well as I do, that can change in a day. And we've seen it over the last how many weeks. There were certain investments that were worth so much, and then they weren't. Well, if that's where our trust is, that can shake a person. But if we know what God has said then just like Jacob, he said, whatever uh, comes in, I'm honoring you. You'll take care of me, 
and I'm in covenant with you. But we're not looking at the thing. If we look at the stuff in front of us, we're tempted to try to hold on. We can't save enough to meet all of our needs. It's impossible. We can't do it. We have to trust Him as Christians. We'll go into a, a place where, Lord, You're my sufficiency. That means if this changes, You're still my sufficiency. See, it's a strong place. It's a confident place. It's not looking at the stuff going, oh no, my sufficiency is gone. It's like, no, my sufficiency hasn't changed. God, you're my sufficiency. And see, we can be strong on the word saying, Lord, you told me what to do. I'm doing it. Lord, I am giving because I love you. I'm not giving to get, but Lord, I, you are my source. You are my God. And we expect this is going to be taken care of. And it's a strong place. The scriptures, we can, we can build our faith and know what he has said and then strong, stand strong in the midst of the storm. Set our face like flint and say, oh no, God is my source. God, I, I am financing the kingdom of God on this earth. He is my partner and as I am with him, he is with me and he will make sure I have everything that I need. It is a, it's a covenant relationship and we can be strong in that. Now, briefly, just going, we've touched on a number of things here and just some practical things. There's some questions I think we covered. Is tithing for today? Yes, it's for today. It predated the law. It was all through the law. It's post the law. There's nothing in the new covenant that undoes the tithe. In fact, as Christians, with all we have in a better covenant through the Lord Jesus, why would we do anything less than what unregenerate, not born again people did? It doesn't, that, that, that wouldn't hold up to logic. We have a better kingdom. Now, you're not under a curse if you don't tithe. But, but there, you know, sometimes people say, well, we don't have to tithe. Well, you don't have to tithe. But we want to know where we are according to the word. No, this is not something that's changed. If it's not done, if it's not established in the law, it can't be undone by the passing away of the law. So it is for us. What's the purpose? We went over this. What's the purpose? It's to, uh, to have resources for the God's uh, gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be proclaimed throughout the earth. Somebody will say, where should I tithe? You know, we read in, in Leviticus, it says the tithe is the Lord. Where should I tithe? Well, the Bible doesn't say. We can get into, you know, conviction and go throughout the word. Obviously, they, in the old uh, Abraham tithe to Melchizedek, who was the priest there at the time. In the old covenant, they tithe uh, to the, the, the priest and the, um, the temple there. And the Bible just says that the tithe is the Lord's. So it's not to a specific organization. It's not to a specific person. We are to finance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as Christians. And so we need to be led by the Spirit as far as where we tithe and how we do that. The, the most important thing is that... We're looking to what the Word says, and, and He said, the tithe is the Lord's. People will say, should I tithe on the net or the gross? Well, Jacob just said, 
of everything that comes in, I'll give you a tenth. And in the Old Covenant, they were numbering the animals as they came through. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then ten. That, that was essentially the gross. Now, there's no condemnation here either way. People say, well, should I tithe before or after taxes? Well, there's a question. If, ta if taxes were 1%, would it make any difference? Then it would be like, well, no problem. It's when taxes are more, people look at it and go, should I or shouldn't I? Shouldn't I? Well, somebody said it like this. You cannot outgive God. And if you just look at the Old Covenant, I mean, the, these different places we've read in Abraham and, and these different places, it would be, as, as it comes in, it's 10%. The taxes really don't have to do, have anything to do with it. But each individual has to be convicted and, and uh, be led by their, their own, by, by the Spirit of God. Uh, but we just, we look at the Word to guide us, and we've looked at the Word in, this, in these areas. Praise God. God is faithful to perform His Word. He is, a, we, we spent a lot of time last week saying how we are redeemed from anything that would look like poverty. It doesn't have any place in our lives, but God has also given us His Word in how to cooperate with Him. And so as we do, as we go prayerfully before the Lord and look at His Word, Lord, I want to honor You. Lord, show me. He is faithful to do what He said in His Word. He's faithful to help us walk things out. He's faithful to bring back everything He said in His Word. He's a good God. And like we've stated, we've focused on, the bottom line is honoring Him and focusing on Him. Seeking first what He said. Amen. He is faithful. He is faithful. Let's go ahead and pray.